listening to the Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Career Coach Podcast. I am your host, Sharisha, and I have another special guest bringing you some amazing gems once again. And before we get into that conversation and I let you know who my guest is today, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's given me feedback so far and I'm really happy that you're enjoying the conversations. And also, just to remember, I've got a new segment coming up called Ask the Coach, where I will be joined by other coaches in the industry. So you can send in your career-related question and we will be able to give you some industry tips and advice. So make sure you DM me with your question and look out for the upcoming episodes. You might hear your voice being one of my special guests as well. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to today's show, Natal. Hello. Hi. Firstly, thank you so, so much for having me on. Um, yeah, it's a really big honour and I appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for coming. So, could you just introduce like yourself and what you actually do? Yeah, right. So, my name is Natal and I am the owner, creator, business owner of Telmoir Nail Polish. So, we specialise in creating nude nail polish colours for darker skin tones, but we also do like other colours as well. So it's not just limited to um, nude nail polish colours. We've got some, well, we try and do like brighter colours with a little bit of extra glitters, holographic. So, yeah. Okay. So when did you start the business and like where did this idea come from? <laughs> so um, I actually started, it'll be two years this April coming up. So I guess just over a year and a half. And the idea, do you know what? I never really had like a plan. Like I've always wanted my own business. So I did a degree in international business of law. Okay. Love the idea of business, but could never quite figure out what I wanted to do within business. So I worked in property for a while, which I loved, but I didn't really see a way of making money from it. Okay. And I kind of got to a place where I was just like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I've always been like quite creative in terms of like trying to make items so I'll never kind of buy ketchup if I can afford not to I'll try and make it myself so when it came to nail polish I enjoyed kind of putting nail polish on so I really wanted to create some colors that I thought that I would like and I couldn't find a nude nail polish color that really suited my skin tone I started a new job and I remember going to like just like Superdrug or Wilkinson's around the corner and I just couldn't find the color that I liked so I came back and I was like no I'm gonna find out how you make nail polish and it kind of just started from there. So what did you do first? Did you just start doing it as like a side hustle whilst you were still working or did you just go straight into it? So yeah, so I currently still work at the moment. So I still work full time for a university. Um, but I just started it pretty much as a hobby even. It was just a case of, I read somewhere that there was an article about a lady in America who made her own polish and I remember reading that and thinking I didn't know you could do that I'm gonna try that um, and actually create the colors I want to create started mixing the colors and I thought actually these actually look nice I've not seen these in the shops before so um once I started to make them a couple of family members asked me to make them some I started making them for my work colleagues and then I put them all onto kind of an Etsy website okay. um, just to kind of grow the business from there and then from there, I kind of built my own website and just kind of 
have grown since then. But I wouldn't say I started off with a plan, but when I started to go from selling it to like colleagues and friends, then kind of selling it on Etsy, um, I then had to do kind of a lot more research and make sure everything is kind of legitimate, I guess, and have a bit more of a plan ultimately. And I started to buy in bulk um, in terms of the actual bottles the brushes the packaging etc so that's when I started to kind of really put some of the money into it mm-hmm. and you just you spoke on about going to university and doing your business studies uh, degree do you feel like that helped you then with your business um it definitely has like I think it's very difficult because I think with degrees you learn so much information and then you don't get the chance to put it sometimes immediately to you straight away so there's probably a lot that I haven't kind of remembered that I could have used but the kind of core elements of business and and definitely studying the part I had a bit of law and that I took as a minor onto my degree that's really helped with things like intellectual property trademarking as well and which traditionally I think is very kind of difficult for businesses sometimes to get their heads around so that's really helped. And then you also mentioned about the fact that you kind of had the idea of because you wanted to find a colour that suited your tone, although your skin tone, although you do make other colours. Do you feel like when you think of like being a black owned business and you have that kind of story for like what made you start your product, do you feel like that boxes you in or do you feel like that has helped you boost your business? Because again, sometimes I know for myself when I've gone to do my coaching practices, I think about like my natural hair and how I'm perceived online as a coach and stuff like that you kind of sometimes go through that conflict of trying to do I look appeasing to like potential clients customers have you faced any challenges in that in those kind of areas yeah no I think it's definitely been a battle from the beginning because although nude polish is very much me like I've never been someone who's been very outlandish with my nails that you know I'm kind of like my four kind of main colors and I kind of stick with those and mm-hmm. um, so I think the concept of having just nudes on its own I wasn't sure how far it might travel however it's what I based and built the brand on so um tell moi actually translates to like me oh, so okay. it means that yeah I wanted the brand to represent me <laughs> um, and people like me and I want people to feel like they can be represented within themselves so it is built around that narrative, but I also think as you grow, you realise that there's kind of a whole market and actually you're able to create colours that people really don't find often in the shops. So that's kind of how I've kind of managed, I think, to keep it going. But I still want to keep the nude nail polishes at the core. And so with that, what I've done is our nude nail polishes are our standard polishes. So they will always be there and they will be our core selection. They won't go anywhere. And then for the brighter colours, I kind of bring them in in different sequences or different seasons. So I'll have like a winter collection, I'll have a Easter collection and a summer collection. So it's kind of rotating. And like you said, you went on someone's YouTube and saw how they made their polishes. So talk (laughs) me through, like, how do you just acquire the skill? Because when I think of, especially the beauty industry, I think of lipsticks and stuff. I mean, I have seen people that do have their own kind of lab at home but initially you do think oh this must need a quite a big production line to be able to start yeah so it's really interesting because the supplier that I use ultimately brings a lot of the components together so I can purchase directly from the supplier 
and ultimately create the colors that I want to create using that information. So it's still very, you know, obviously nail polish is still a hazardous substance. So I still very much have to wear a mask just to make sure I'm not breathing in too much of the toxins. Well, sorry, not toxins, but just the actual nail polish itself. Um, always wear kind of goggles. Um, typically, you don't necessarily need to wear gloves per se, but just in terms of that it gets messy and on your hands as with all nail polish. Um, I've definitely ruined a couple of outfits, a couple of <laughs> tables, desks. <laughs> so, but no, traditionally, and I think as I grow, it's not going to be possible for me to mix all of the polished colours at the moment. So at the moment, I do all of the mixing apart from the gel polishes. So the gel polishes um, have been made by a company and essentially they've distributed to me. So, do you did you have to start like researching into the science behind like what you're using and how it is on people's skin, their nails, and so forth? Yeah, no, a lot of research because the thing is with nail polish. I mean, obviously, even though it's not going directly onto your skin, there's typically a lot of different kind of toxins and things that people put into nail polish. Mm -hmm. So, the benefit of being obviously we're no longer in the EU, but one of the main benefits is that our nail polish compared to places like America, they restrict a lot more of the ingredients within this side. So our supplier is EU based. So mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why we choose to work with them, obviously vegan and cruelty free as well. So that's one of the key points of our brand. And yeah, it's the main benefit is obviously being a UK based supplier. We are able to at least facilitate that a lot better um, and knowing what's in the products. And even though necessarily you don't have to do I don't necessarily have to do the research because the supplier supplies the components. It's ultimately down to them. And, you know, I made sure I vetted them. And, you know, the person who runs it, she's really, really quite amazing and very, very good at what she does. So it all has to be kind of vetted in a lab. It's all pre-mixed and made in a lab. So, yeah, ultimately I get the components to create the colours. Okay. But the actual materials don't necessarily come from me. Okay. So in regards to like your branding and all of that stuff, how, how was that process for you and how you wanted to make it look? Because again, the beauty industry, cosmetic industries, you know, even down to the bottle, everything has to be quite attractive. Um, so yeah, what was that process like? It was difficult, um, only because I'm really particular in, I don't know how this came about, considering that I never really thought that I was going to have a business in nail polish. I had never really thought about what it would look like but once I kind of started getting the idea I was like looking at different types of bottles and I was like actually do you know what I really want my bottles to not be a traditional nail polish bottle I almost want them to look like a lip gloss bottle and mm -hmm. lipstick style and the reason being is I don't know if you've ever seen those cosmetic holders that hold the lipstick they're always like square the little plasticky oh, ones yes 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 yeah and I was like none of my nail polish bottles can ever fit in there so I was like I want a square bottle so it can fit <laughs> right in the plastic so that was kind of the idea for that and I like the lids when they're kind of I know that traditionally a lot of the nail polishes have like circular lids yeah um, but I, I wanted them to match the actual bottle design so I ended up going for square lids so yeah once I kind of saw that I was like right I know exactly what I want the label to look like so I designed the label um, I designed the website to kind of match the branding and I kind of just very much made this brand me as a person so my living room for example is black white and grey and those have always been colours that I just kind of 
loved. It was very simple, very easy. And so I've kind of built my brand around those colors. And ironically, even though nudes tend to be kind of like browns and kind of different versions um, of pinks and kind of like, yeah, in between, I just felt that actually as a branding, I wanted it black, white and grey and leopard print I love as well. So I kind of include leopard print nail files with a lot of the orders just because it's just something I enjoy. Yeah. And like even when you um, was sorting out the colours and stuff, like did you have to spend a long time before you perfected, okay, I really love this colour? And also, how was you able to think about your customers? Because, you know, when you when you do businesses and stuff, often you do it from, like you said, it's, it's a part of you. So anything that comes from you, it's going to, you have to like it. So but how did you kind of overcome not picking colours that exactly you love, but thinking like yeah. my customers will like them as well? That's a very good question because I think, for me, I've always been open to listening to people and customers. Okay. So I started with four colours that I thought, okay, you know what? I like these colours. Mm-hmm. I'll put them out there. I see how they sell and I see what people say. And Instagram has been a really great feature for that. I often actually use my own personal Instagram to just ask friends and family lots of questions. So, you know, I'll kind of say, okay, I'm thinking about doing this colour what do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will suggest, actually, you know what? You don't have any reds. You should do a red. You should do a nice kind of pink or you should do something slightly lighter than this. And the feedback from customers, I've always valued so much because actually they're the people who are going to be buying your product. So mm-hmm. it's so core to actually listen to what they're telling you. And of course, I have my own ideas about how I'd want things. And, you know, the nude nail polishes were more of an idea that came from me seeing that they weren't readily available in the shops and the colours that were available were very much just kind of different variations of pink. Mm-hmm. So I think that was how I kind of got into the market. But then actually to stay there, I also have to make sure that I stay relevant to kind of what else isn't in the market. So our new gel polish colours and like our matte collection. And um, so I do nail polishes that obviously dry matte instead of glossy top coat finish um and actually again I just kept thinking it's something if I walk into a shop it's not what I would see I don't see a lot of these kind of rich reds or rich kind of oranges it's very much very similar colors that you tend to find in the shop so I, I tried to kind of just differentiate myself but it is so important to listen and definitely the feedback from customers has been key I think in what's kept me going yeah and then in regards to like you're you know you're working and you're doing your business like how have you been able to because again for many startup businesses venture capital can be like the biggest hurdle to start off um how have you been able to gain finances like to even start your business in in the initial beginning yeah so I did start very slowly like I kind of siphoned off my monthly salary you know maybe a couple of hundred here just to kind of say okay Let me put that aside, see what I can buy with that and then kind of scale it slowly. I think this year coming um, has probably sent the most that I've spent. But in kind, obviously, this is probably the most that I've made so far. So I tend to put all of that money back into buying more stock, buying more products, trying to expand and scale. Um, But I would definitely say initially I'm I'm very lucky in the sense that I have a job that I can obviously use to kind of support this venture I also I mean obviously I worked in property so one of the 
other things that I've kind of done outside of that is I've purchased an investment property. So sometimes the income from that can help me generate some additional cash if I feel like I need it. Um, And so that's kind of helped me grow. Yeah, because that's I think that's something important to talk on because people sometimes there's a lot of stuff on social media about, you know, working nine to five and having a business. And there was a stage where I remember seeing online, it was almost like it was shunned upon to still work. Um, everyone was jumping on like the, the entrepreneurship boat and it was just like the reality is that you need money to start a business and even as you keep going like you said the more you grow the business the more money you're going to need anyway so it's really just imp- it's nice to hear you and refreshing to say that you're you see it as you're fortunate to have a job because I think sometimes people feel embarrassed or um I don't, I'm not saying always embarrassed. Maybe they just don't want to share that side of their story. But I think sometimes people feel some type of way about saying that they still work because I guess if online you're perceived to be seen as successful or when people see that you've got a certain amount of followers, they assume that, yeah, you must be doing this thing full time. So I just like the transparency of being able to say, hey, I still work, but I'm still putting my all into my business so that eventually maybe I won't be able to um, do this job anymore. I love that you picked up on that because I think that's very much something that a lot of people don't always kind of see or understand. So, you know, you kind of look and think, okay, you know what, she's got kind of got a bit of a following now on Instagram. I wouldn't say a massive following, but, you know, kind of people buying. I think the assumption is, and, you know, a lot of my friends will be like, you've done so well, you know, you were in Vogue, you were in Stylist magazine, you've had all of these kind of really big press. Mm-hmm. And so the assumption then comes that you must be making a lot of money. And yeah. It's not that money hasn't come in, but at the same time, a lot of that money goes straight back into trying to keep the business going. A lot of people don't see the kind of the postage costs, you know, postage is crazy um, at the moment. So a lot of money goes straight back out to that. It's the supplies. It's the, you know, I ordered small the first time. And obviously when you keep ordering small, it adds up probably to being more expensive. So this year, what I've tried to do is spend bigger in the first instance so I can actually have stock that lasts me a lot longer Mm -hmm. Um, but in doing so you know you're paying a good couple of grand up front which you're then having to again mitigate in terms of your costs so it's been very very key for me to have a job because I also have to live as well you know Mm -hmm. I you know very fortunate um, again to have purchased my own property so I have to pay the mortgage for that and I also have the investment property, so I have to pay the mortgage for that too. So me just kind of leaving my job isn't, you know, unless I'm making enough to cover my own mortgage comfortably, I can't leave. And with that, it's brought its challenges as well. Obviously, it's a balance, you know, working nine to five and then pretty much working five to 11 to kind of get orders together, get things out. But I'm hoping that all of this work I'm putting in will then result in me being able to leave. But I think a lot of people they see the very much the success and that's what Instagram is. You see all of the good points, you see all of the highlights, you know, and you just assume that money's coming in and yeah, it's not to the degree that maybe people think it is. Yeah. Cause I saw recently you had um, a question up on your IG and you was asking everyone, you know, how they were feeling about like, like this kind of like not feeling really motivated um, at the minute. I don't know what's going on, if it's the weather or what, but how do you then keep your mind sane and how do you protect your well-being when you're working nine to five and then you know that straight after I'm, I'm going into my, my real job, really, because it's your passion, 
Yeah, it's a difficult one because it's very easy. And I am someone who I can get very easily consumed by everything. So I'll spend a lot of time, you know, doing nail polish stuff. And because, again, I love it and I enjoy it, I'll just get sucked into being awake at, you know, five, six o'clock in the morning just because. And my friends will message me and be like, Michelle, why are you awake? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, um, yeah, I'm just going to finish this thing on the website. And they're like, Michelle, go to bed. It's like, you've been up for 24 hours, just go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like, just going to do a few more hours and then I'll go. So it's, it is a challenge, but I think what I try and do is, you know, I try and find time for myself. So, you know, I really want to, I mean, I think in lockdown, everybody's just kind of been eating, etc. But um, I love cooking and I enjoy food. So, you know, I'll cook myself a nice meal. I'll put on a nice program. Um, I'm very fortunate to have stolen the treadmill from my mum's house that my brother used to own. <laughs> so I forced that into my house. I use it barely, but I try and make some time to at least use it a couple of times a week. Yeah. So I think those types of things help a lot. I mean, I also have um, some really good friends and family who live quite local to me. So they help me out with some of just the general tasks. So even if it's just sticking labels on envelopes or bottles, I'll take them to my mum's house. I'll take them to my cousin's house. They'll do it. I've got a friend who lives about a 10 minute walk away from me. So if I ever feel that I'm a bit overwhelmed, she'll come over and kind of help me put orders together. So I am very lucky to have a good support system. And like I, if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have coped. I think I would have literally probably imploded by now yeah <laughs> and do you have um like a network of other entrepreneurs do you tap into any kind of um networks um whether it's virtually or anything like that as well yeah so I've been really lucky to just kind of come across some really just amazing people who have their own businesses online you know we work quite closely with Jammy and that was like one of our first major partnerships as well so there's a lot of kind of support coming in from that aspect as well. But I think I, I am very lucky as well. A lot of people in my family have different types of businesses. So in really different areas, you know, such as hair, beauty, you know, just really kind of unique areas. And they kind of all give me advice. They kind of just support me in the best kind of way. So I am very, very lucky with the people that I know. So I think that's really a benefit to everything moving forward for me. And um, just another thing, what's your kind of perspective on how people treat small businesses? Because I saw um, an interesting question actually on uh, Bespoke Binny, um, her Instagram story the other day, and she was speaking about how, you know, feeling, I don't know if it was her perspective per se, but it was just the notion of sometimes people feel like they can be quite harsh with smaller businesses versus when you know you've got big corporations or big businesses like mcdonald's or something or you know you might go there and the customer service might not be great but there's a bit more patience with those big larger companies versus your small local businesses like how do you why do you feel or what do you think on that kind of thing you're listening to the career coach podcast bringing you information lived experiences and all-round career conversation hey, might have seen that post and I wrote quite a long comment because I used to work in McDonald's so I <laughs> I worked there for like three years and to be honest for me it was like the biggest lesson to customer service and um, that I've ever kind of faced in my life like of all the things that have taught me that's probably been the biggest thing that's taught me about how people respond to different services etc but I think with small businesses, it's very, very difficult on us because the expectations have been set from companies like Amazon where things are very instant, they're very quick. And if you have an issue, you can 
you might not be able to speak to someone immediately, but you very much can just print a label and send it back and you'll get your money straight away. So uh, a lot of the difficulties that we have as small businesses is that we don't have access to that kind of speed. And I mean, I will definitely say, I mean, we've definitely all had mistakes. I think all businesses will always have mistakes. You know, we have, you know, postage, you know, got to rely on different external factors that we can't necessarily control. And especially with COVID, I've had, you know, a lot of like broken bottles, you know, you have delayed delivery. But luckily, I think I'm always very quick on it. And I think if the moment I get an email from any kind of customer, I kind of can see it, it comes up automatically, whether I'm on my phone, whether I'm with family, with friends, whatever I'm doing, I kind of just stop and at least read it to just understand. And usually if it's something, you know, a customer who's had a broken bottle or their parcel's not turned up, I pride myself on being able to get back to them within like, you know, at least kind of half an hour, an hour, whenever I've seen it. And the first thing I always do is just apologize because realistically even if it's not my fault a lot of the time what people want to hear is an apology they want to hear you know I'm sorry this has happened to you they want a solution how do you fix it what can I do to make it better and usually if they've had that issue I'll usually try and rectify it by giving them you know a free nail file or a free little gift or just something to say you know I'm sorry this has happened to you but I do appreciate your customer and I still want you to come back and I learned that mainly from mcdonald's because ultimately if your fries are cold you go back to mcdonald's you say your fries are cold they'll give you some fresh fries so (laughs) yeah no argument and it is difficult though because a lot of people will then also take that and use that kind of niceness and willingness to help as a personal kind of benefit or game so you really do have to be very cautious of what people are asking you as well you know if they've said it's not turned up and you don't have proof of postage which at first, I didn't use the kind of sell with sign for or tracking. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even have any kind of point of reference to say that they actually don't have it or they do. And you just never know. So you always have to take measures to, you know, protect yourself as a business as well. And do you have things like then insurances to support you with things like damages or? So, I mean, in terms of damages, because we use Royal Mail um, and a courier, both of them have different kind of insurance okay. methods. I mean, we've Royal Mail and lost postage, um, I can start a claim and ultimately they'll pay me back for the cost of the lost postage. So that's basically what I rely on. Um, but the only downside with that is depending on how busy Royal Mail are, it means that I might not get the money until, you know, kind of two, three, four weeks down the line. So it's a cost I have to uptake. But then at the same time, if I know I'm going to get it back, then I don't mind doing these things. Um, yeah. Similar with the courier company, you can insure the packages. So. Yeah, because I think it's like you said, you started off with not using um, recorded delivery and stuff like that. But again, that's part of the process. You kind of have to go through these things in order to get your processes in place and making sure that, you know, everything kind of works smoothly. So it's all a learning uh, learning curve as as we move through the different stages from a startup and, and it begins to develop and grow a bit a bit more. So. Again, you spoke about some of those amazing features that you had. Like, can you just like talk me through like how did that feel? Like, which which magazine or where did you feature first? Where it was like, oh my gosh, like, is this really happening? Yeah. So the biggest one was um, like the major first one was Scratch magazine. So they're like a really massive um, UK um, nail polish magazine. So I and I got a really big feature there, and from that I. 
you know, I found kind of a lot of people who followed me were like some really big nail artists um, in the industry. And I have to give a very massive shout out to Sylvie McMillan because she does the nails for some really, really amazing talent, um, you know, kind of really big global magazines. And from that is where I believe she started to follow me from. And she asked me for some custom nail polish colours to suit darker skin tones because actually one of the issues that she had is when she does models is they don't have kind of really really deep skin tones and you know the really kind of amazing Sudanese stunning models that you see that you know have really kind of deeper undertones that are never really captured in nail polish so she asked me for some custom colors and we worked together to develop some really amazing colors and she is the person who essentially actually got me into Vogue because when they were asking her you know what's your favorite color of the season she was like oh yeah tell moi you know Beckway blue that's like my favorite color right now and I was like wait what (laughs) so I woke up in the morning and she just sent me like a screenshot I was like just so you know you're in Vogue I was like wait what (laughs) like that's massive so you know I think each opportunity has kind of led to some more opportunities but I think Scratch Magazine was the kind of main you know, massive one that I felt kind of reached the kind of nail polish industry. And um, in relation to like where you see yourself going forward, like, did that kind of give you the boost then and the confidence that, yeah, I can actually do this or was you always like, I'm going for it? Oh, I mean, I think they all kind of helped boost me. I think in my head, I never really imagined quite what it would be. So I thought, you know what, I'd sell a couple of nail polishes, you know, I'll make a couple of extra hundred as a side hustle and it gives me something to do um, when I finish work. You know, I live on my own, I don't have any kids, so it's a bit like, yeah, you know, it gives me a bit more of a direction. Um, But I don't think I ever thought it would be what it is, which is why it's even more amazing that it's happened and some of the opportunities. So it kind of almost bolsters my confidence to say like, wow, you know, Scratch Magazine, Vogue, Stylist, like... Black Beauty magazine as well. That was a massive one. I think that meant a lot to me. Oh, that was like <laughs> like you went in the hairdresser yeah. in the, the shop. You'd see that magazine and go through all like the beauty products and the hairstyles. Yeah, that is like a staple in the black community. Hundred percent. Like seeing that happen. That's when I was a bit like, wow. Okay, like that is something that yeah. As you say, I would go to the hairdressers and just flick through, see the hairstyles. Mm-hmm. So you know, to have a feature in there was you know personally to me amazing um so yeah so all of that has just kind of helped boost me and just tried to maybe now hopefully make it even bigger and try and scale it a little bit further and see where I can go with it yeah and then in regards to like how you've marketed yourself in terms of like social media and stuff have you because you know that I've spoke to someone that has a digital marketing agency and just in general when we look online it can be quite daunting um, when you're starting off with your, you know, a new product. Like, what kind of tips and advice can you give someone that's maybe trying to figure out where they sit in the market and how to create content and stuff like that? No, definitely. I mean, I think it's of all the things that I do for Tamwa, Instagram and social media is what I spend the most time doing. Mm-hmm. I personally, I enjoy it, but it is a lot of work, and I understand why people. You know, sometimes you might want to pay someone to do it or it takes up a lot of time. But I would definitely say the biggest thing for me is create content that you think people will like. You know, sometimes it's about creating something pretty and aesthetic. But actually, what do people like to see? And I realized with nail polish, as 
I mean, nail polish is a really lovely thing to do because people love to see different nail designs. They love to see different nail art. And there's so many amazing nail artists who really kind of just create some, you know, breathtaking designs. So I really try to utilize the nail artists to kind of put them on my page and, you know, kind of promote them and what they're doing and what they can do with my polish. So it kind of makes it appealing I'd say in certain ways to say you could do this even though most of the time I just paint my nails and go um (laughs) you know I think most people just put it a bit on they don't spend the time to do it but it really does kind of just make you want to scroll through and say oh I like this design or maybe I'll try something like this and it's even inspired me to try and be a bit more creative but definitely that aspect and also make the most of all platforms is definitely um a very very big one I know TikTok is one of the kind of biggest newest platforms with a, a much younger age dem- demographic and I found that actually I've generated quite a few customers that have come from TikTok as well that I probably wouldn't have been able to find via Instagram so yeah it's just kind of positioning yourself on each social media network but staying consistent in what it is that you post yeah. and also you know I try and schedule my posts as well so it doesn't take up too much time so I will definitely sit down one day of the month you know I try um to just sit down and schedule all of my posts for the whole month so even when something posts I don't have to actually be on social media to kind of be present um because otherwise it then tends to take up a lot of your life where you're sitting there you're planning where the hashtags go you're putting spaces here and writing captions it is really kind of a lot of time but full-time job on its own <laughs> just it really is I take my hats off to people that have like really they do it themselves I should say because yeah I even when I do stuff I'm just like wow like the day's gone and you're just thinking oh, I've probably done maybe five six posts <laughs> that requires information obviously it depends on what type of content you're putting out there but because I do coaching stuff I always like to look up what's going on in the industry so it, it's very time consuming I don't think people see the behind the scenes like what goes into so I really take my hats off to people that have lots of followers as well in terms of the ones that really create a lot of engagement on their pages yeah it's quite a lot um do you use um, any particular apps that you could recommend yeah no sure so I actually use Hootsuite and the main reason for that was just because I went on to I think I looked at quite a few different like later Planoli um but I think it was just at the time I could link the Facebook the Instagram and I have a Pinterest, but I'm still learning Pinterest. Pinterest is the one social media that I personally haven't ever kind of learned how to do properly. So if there's anyone who knows Pinterest and wants to holler at me, <laughs> you can do that for me. I love Pinterest. Yeah. It's so, I just love it. It's, it's, it's so good. And, you know, I literally use it to like just look at just pretty hairstyles when I don't know what I want to do with my hair. <laughs> when I was renovating, um, I just had loads of like bathroom ideas and stuff like that. <sighs> Yeah. But do you know what? It is really good for that. And, you know, for something like nail polish, it's probably something I really need to push a little bit more on Pinterest. But for some reason, I've just never quite understood how it works and probably haven't taken the time to do so. But, um, no, definitely Hootsuite. Um, in terms of kind of planning content, especially if I want to kind of do giveaways or competitions, any kind of writing, Canva has been really key for me to just kind yes. of get yeah. everything kind of editing if I'm trying to blur if I'm trying to blur a background if I'm trying to you know for all of my website photos as well and if I'm trying to make the background a bit lighter I mean I tend to actually use a lot of the iPhone editing tools to kind of edit the background and backdrop um 
I'm trying to think where else I use. Um, those are definitely the main ones. I use InShot a lot if I'm doing kind of real content. So yeah. anything video, reels, trying to edit it. Yeah. I mean, TikTok, I'll, I like TikTok, but then obviously you get that kind of annoying TikTok logo. So yeah, I usually thing, yeah. record it from TikTok, put it onto InShot and then edit it out on InShot however I want it to be. So yeah. It's so amazing, like, what you can do on your phone these days. Like, because, <laughs> you know, when you think about um, some years ago to have recording equipment, like, even for me, I have, like, podcast stuff at home. Um, you can do so much more now. It's, it's not saying it's cheap, but I think it's still more accessible than it was once upon a time when you think of how much um, some of these, like, even to do videography, how much someone would charge you, whereas in now you can invest in a really good camera and then you've got that for how how many years to be able to use as much as you like so it's really interesting I think I need to do a podcast with someone that's um, good at content creating because I think there's a lot to be um, taught in um, in that area um, for all all types of businesses actually yes, I think there's a lot of useful tips that um, we need to know to help us uh, grow and uh, flourish in all that we're doing what kind of advice would you give someone who's just about to start their business maybe it's you know because of the pandemic they're deciding uh, maybe I need to tap into more of my passions what would be some of your like top tips so I didn't necessarily have a plan at first but once things started to kind of grow I had to very quickly put together a plan of what I wanted things to look like how much I was spending I'd say definitely the biggest thing keep track of your expenses because it is very very easy to just say you know what let me just buy this, let me buy this. And, you know, I've wasted probably quite a bit of money by not being kind of very thoroughly planned in some of the things I've purchased. And, you know, sometimes I'll buy something or, you know, I'll buy a typical kind of nail polish color that I think might do well and it doesn't do well. So then I'm kind of ended up with a lot of leftover polish or materials. So I try and buy a lot more you know kind of smart in how I transact and buy something I'll test it see if it sells and then I'll buy some more of it if it does so but just keep track of everything from the beginning I think my biggest annoyance that I didn't do from the start is I kind of relied on the fact that different websites will track what your income is etc but actually expenditures I wouldn't have an idea of how much I really spent past the first maybe like the first year I was really good um, for the first year you know I kind of knew exactly how much I put in you know I maybe spent about two thousand pounds and could account for where that went and how much I spent after that I just kind of started spending as it grew and of course there's you know I, I didn't make myself broke I wouldn't spend more than I had but I've probably spent more than I think I've made if that yeah. makes sense do you get uh, yeah. an accountant now then or do you just do it yourself yeah, no. So I've just had to get an accountant now. Um, so again, that's been a recent development. But the main reason as well is that obviously I've got other expenditures that are personal that I kind of also need to account for now and just to make sure that I am paying tax. I don't want the tax line coming after me <laughs> for anything. So I was like, no, I need to get myself together. And again, I'm really lucky that I'm one of my best friends. She's an accountant as well. So she's kind of really helped me out in that area. So yeah, I would say from the beginning, if you can keep track, it, it just makes it so much easier because she's asking me for documents. I'm like, I know I had that. I can't find it. I'm pretty sure it's in my emails from like last year. And if you've got them to hand and your invoices, it, it just makes life so much easier. 
Yeah, I think one thing I've learned over the years, even if it's just basic things like having separate folders, maybe subfolders on your email and just literally say, these are all my January expenses. So at least when you give it to your accountant, they can sift through it. But it just, if you have to go through a whole 12 months worth of invoices, receipts, it just gets so hectic. And some receipts, if they're physical, they fade. So always scan them with your phone, like you can get free apps now or just with your camera and then upload them onto your computer and just set like literally January, February, March, April, all the way to December and pop those invoices and receipts in. Because like you said, it's so easy to be like, I know I've had it, but where is it now? And if you've got a crazy inbox and it's just like, it's, I, I've learned the hard way. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if you could just do that basic thing and then get someone to help you do the accounting, trust me, it will save you so much stress when they are asking you for all these documents um so yeah but and um, what kind of other tips um, would you say as well yeah so I mean following on from that again it's all going to be about organization because I think when you know how much stock you've got in each aspect you don't ever run out and or at least you know where you can get things from also whilst things are very much cheaper to buy in China um a lot of kind of materials I do get from China or abroad etc but I always have a UK backup because with things like COVID we just don't know what happens and Black Pound Day last well yeah Black Pound Day last year the very first one we got a lot of promotion around that time it was around the same time that the Scratch magazine article came out as well and I basically ran out of bottles and you can't sell nail polish without bottles <laughs> so I found a UK supplier that I'd purchased other bottles from before they didn't have my shape of lids if they were like circular lids but I said you know what I have to capitalize on this moment because I don't know if it's going to come again and even though I was waiting on an order from you know kind of China where I get my stock I couldn't wait any longer so I was like you know what found a UK supplier I'll buy these bottles I'll have to change them temporarily but I'd rather people have the polish so I'd always say you have to be very quick to have an alternative don't just have one supplier have multiple people that you can buy from develop a good network because it's very you know if one product gets pulled off the market and especially if you're trying to be unique i.e my bottles with my you know lipstick shake they don't sell them everywhere so i had to have an idea at least to have some sort of backup um available just in case yeah yeah that's actually really important because i've I've spoken to quite a few people recently and because of COVID and like you said, the Brexit stuff now as well, it's really affected supplies. Um, so that slowed down business, an expensive time and a frustrating time. So, yeah, definitely having a plan B is one to remember for everybody. So we're in the month of February. Um, it's the month of love. <laughs> locked up <laughs> but uh, what kind of self-care tips can you give us you know to treat ourselves maybe make ourselves feel better in this lockdown I mean I'm gonna be biased and say paint your nails if you're if you want to paint the nails um no I think for me self-care is I, I know everyone has different self-care it can be exercise it can be routine but for me it's a glass of wine preferably red it's a hot bath with candles lit a face mask and an early night that is my favorite self-care routine and if I can fit a run in in the morning to at least justify the wine and the Chinese that I'll probably (laughs) order in the evening it's probably a good way to do it but no um definitely that and also just anything that makes you happy I think I can say what makes me happy um but self-care is all about what makes you feel good in that moment obviously 
don't overindulge because you know donuts make me feel good but i can't sit and eat them all so yeah <laughs> you won't feel good when the jeans are tight like oh my god go yeah. on. but what's your like favorite color then in your range or do you have a favorite color actually because that might be quite hard because you've got a lot of colors oh do you know what well, top I three then at least top three i'm so glad you said top three i think <laughs> I can do a top three. So definitely, I mean, I just love white nail polish. I just feel like as basic as it is, I just love white nail polish for holidays, just always on my toes. I'm always a white. Um, definitely taking the biscuit. Um, the reason why I love taking the biscuit, so it's kind of like a biscuit um, kind of nudish colour. But the reason I like that is because I couldn't find that colour anywhere either. Um, I could not find a kind of almost brown light tan nude nail polish and I really had to even to get it done in gel I couldn't even just say show them a picture I literally had to send them my polish to get them to make it to replicate because it's this like we've never really seen this color before so yeah that was (laughs) that was a pretty unique one and I have to say champagne dripping because I love a bit of gold glitter and if I go out it's that one that I'd wear. So those are my top three choices. But our bestseller has been Gracious Coffee. I think everybody loves Gracious Coffee. I'm always sold out of Gracious Coffee. I get harassing emails like, when are you bringing it back? How are you going to restock it? So for everybody else, I know Gracious Coffee is. But me personally, those three. When you are making your colours then, do you specifically say to yourself, because you mentioned it earlier about you have obviously seasonal colours, but do you deliberately put out some colors and say okay I'm gonna do that maybe like once this year and then to to keep that interest from your customers yeah I mean I think for me it's almost like a personal improvement so you know the winter collection that I did this year was completely different to the winter collection I did last year it featured some of the same style of colors so I had like a deep green a deep red um, a silver and I can't remember the last one actually but I don't know maybe that was it I think it was just four colors and then this year I wanted to do something better because I know I was a lot smaller then but I didn't really sell a lot of those colors and so I wanted to take those colors but do something a little bit different and a bit unique so I ended up with adding three more colors to it and then kind of taking it away from being glittery and turning it into like a matte smooth color so each year I try and just do a little bit something better, but the collections end up being like summer collection for me. I love carnival. Carnival is a deep, deep passion in my life. So the carnival collection colors will always reflect to me carnival. Um, The carnival collection colors did really, really well last year. So I kind of want to take that and make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also know that a lot of people liked the last year colors. So what I will try and do is have the new collection with, the new and improved versions but also I have limited editions where I'll just bring back colors from time to time as well so just that you know anyone who maybe missed out the first time and didn't see them can actually have the opportunity to still purchase them yeah that sounds good what flag are you repping then Fina? <laughs> um so my mum is from St Kitts and my dad is from St Vincent so small oh, island oh my gosh I'm from St Vincent oh no wait so do you know what one of the carnival collection colours is named Beckway Blue as well. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, so, my, my mum's side is from St. Vincent. That's so funny. There you go. Oh, wow. Might be family, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> Such a small island. When's the last time you went there? 
So I haven't actually been since I was four years old. I was booked to go this year, but oh, sorry, last year, but COVID. So yeah, last time I went was 2010. So I'm due, um, I'm due a visit because I saw even the uh, like some probably about a month ago now, maybe some weeks ago, Jamal Edwards, SBTV. He's from St. Vincent. I think he went there for the first time. It was just really nice to just see some, you know, like bringing some some love to the island because I think out of a lot of the islands, it gets quite forgotten sometimes, St. Vincent, compared to like Barbados because it's so close. If you tell someone from St. Vincent, sometimes they look at you and you're like, oh, yeah, the island next to Barbados. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I get it now. I'm like, yeah, we're there, we're there. So... But um, I was looking um at some statistics in regards to the beauty industry. I just wanted to actually try and find it again. So it said in 2019 that the uh, UK uh, cosmetics market was worth 1.74 billion pounds. So and that that report came out on the 2nd of December at the end of last year, and that's from Statista.com. So that's where I got it from. So when you think of those kind of figures, like 1. 7.4 billion and that's just the UK it's not even like the US or nothing where do you envision your business going in the next god willing years to come like what how how you see yourself going forward yeah I mean I obviously want a piece of that pie <laughs> I want a piece of the 1.74 billion and um, I would absolutely love I think it's like a personal goal to say that I could be a millionaire now I think knowing what I know about business and, you know, kind of the industry, et cetera, I never want to rely on just one industry to provide that for me. So whilst Telmar will always be at the forefront of, you know, the part that I enjoy most, you know, it's cosmetic, it's colourful, it's fun to mix stuff, it's fun to make colours for me. So it really appeals to my creative side and I feel like I've not actually maybe been able to tap into something and actually almost make money to continue it in terms of creativity so it will always appease to my you know bigger passion but I'm also not keen to just rely on that aspect so I think I still love property property is still another passion that I share so I feel like combining those two I feel like I'll get to where I want to be is the ideal but where I see Telmoir specifically I would love to see it in retail shops I think that's still a dream of mine to just say you know what Telmar is in Boots it's in Superdrug it's in Wilkinson's it's in you know all of these places and so I think there's an element of being visual and being kind of branded and out there would I love to see like a Telmar standalone shop where I don't have to rely on other retail stores I would love that um but I think based on the retail economy that I've seen at the moment not a good time um so I will have a think and see how that goes but um no definitely those are some of the areas that I would look to go I I want to see Telmar in the shops that's um and you will have that I think it's good once you start putting <laughs> things out there and you've got that positive vibration and you know you truly believe in what you're doing I believe that you will have what we say so um and actually before we start coming to the end tell moi is that french yeah <laughs> okay it is so i mean basically the actual phrase tell moi so it should be written t-e-l and then moi as in me so tell moi can be translated like me yeah. um i added the l-e because even though my name is natel people always used to spell my name n-a-t-e-double-l-e so I always like the T-E-L-L-E part, so I just kind of stuck with that. And then to know that Telmoir means like me, it just worked. So, yeah, it's uh, 
yeah and I'm not French or I don't have any French roots per se but I studied French um, for A-level I did a bit at uni as well and I just fell in love with the language I just love how everything sounds in French so. I think when it comes to beauty and stuff it <laughs> French accent it just sounds a bit more like appealing so yeah it, it definitely goes it definitely goes so on a um, final note could you just even if it's just one gem of wisdom what would you give to someone some advice you know in, during this pandemic and just in general what would they be trying to reach their goals what, what kind of um, wisdom can you give us my biggest thing for goals is write it down for me it just makes it seem so much more real seeing it on paper keep track as well every kind of month I check in with what I've written for my goals just to kind of realign myself because I can very easily get carried away with what I want to do you know I'll start thinking you know what this year I want to introduce like 10 new colors I want to add 10 gel polishes I want to add this and you know the good thing about feedback from customers is you can use that information to grow but at the same time if you give people the opportunity to say what do you want from me they'll ask for everything so you have to be really good about kind of taking what people say and using that to construct your goals but not everything you have to be able to discern parts certain parts so keep a kind of track record of what your brand is where you want it to go and how you see it in the future and then any advice that you get you can add to it but don't get consumed with kind of doing what everybody else wants you to do as well yeah I think that's some really good advice because you just wear yourself thin otherwise and then you start actually wondering are you doing it for others or are you being true to yourself so I think yeah that's really important to consider so where can we find you on the socials <laughs> everywhere now um hopefully i've got a pinterest we've got instagram so all of them are actually tell moi apart from the pinterest because i think that was taken so pinterest is tell moi boutique but instagram just tell moi and um, we've got facebook page tell moi tiktok tell moi those are the majority. Those are the main places. And then obviously our website, um, talmoire.co.uk. Um, you can obviously buy all of the polishes through there. I still have, a lot of people don't know this, I still have a lot of some of our products on Etsy at the moment as well. The reason being is just that a lot of the time through Etsy, I still find some new customers or new customers find me in the brand. So I tend to keep a couple of products on there just because, but they won't be the full collection that's on the website. So it's just a couple and i'll put the all the details in the description of the episode so you'll be able to find it there so guys that's the end thank you for listening don't forget to follow me at it's cc podcast and if you are looking for a career coach you can check out www.careercoachme.co.uk and as i said earlier if you would like a chance to ask myself or some guest coaches a career related question you can drop me a dm on my instagram at itcc podcast for a chance to hear your question in one of the upcoming episodes so until next time guys 